Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. have to, I don't know why uh, our media uh, director, Mr. Oh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, but thank you. <laughs> our media guy loves picking pictures of me doing this stuff, and then he puts it on there. So, you know, in the middle of a video, you stop the frame, and I'm making a face, and he uses that. So uh, I think he finds it amusing, so I, I haven't said anything. So I'm just going to leave it as that. So if you see me going, you know, like that is, it, that's not my, that was just in the midst of a motion that I was making. Maybe I'll just stand here like this, right? <laughs> What'd you say this thing looks like? I look like I'm on one of those. Segway, yeah, one of those things. Because I got a smaller, I got a smaller pulpit. So he says, I look like, you can probably take this out and put a Segway here. Yeah, in the picture. And, um. Uh, Okay, what did you say now? Somebody said something. I need to, let me pull this out. I like to refer to it. If you're ready, hold your Bibles up. We're going to do our confession and get right into the Word. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We praise you. We glorify you. We pray right now, Lord, that your word would fall on good ground, that our listening ears, Lord, would receive this seed Lord, and that it would free us and deliver us and comfort us and, and corner us, Lord, and change us that we would never be the same, Father. I thank you that you would use me as an instrument in your hands today, Lord, and that I would just be the delivery man of what's about to happen in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, Lord, and even in our bodies. We thank you for a miracle here this morning in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Okay, forgiveness part two. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 9 through 13 in the New American Standard Version. And it says, pray then in this way. Well, that already sounds familiar, doesn't it? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us what we owe, as we also forgive those who owe us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
You know, we, we, this, we call this the Lord's Prayer. It really isn't the Lord's Prayers in 1 John, but, uh, you know, this is the, the framework for prayer that teaches us how we should pray. Not that we would pray this, uh, even though we know this by memory. If you were raised Catholic, you know it by memory. And even if you weren't, you would probably know it by memory. It's one of those things that you remember. And uh, I know that I learned it in the Catholic Church growing up there, um, you know, uh, uh, word for word, but as you read through there, you realize that he says, forgive us as we forgive them. But he repeats himself and he says, this is important, that it's so important that I'm going to say it again. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. So he picks up on 14. For if you forgive others, well, why is he going back to that? Weren't we done with the Lord's Prayer? For if you forgive others for their transgressions, their debt or sin, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Isn't that great? Sounds good. And we could probably, that would have probably been enough. But he wanted to make sure that we understood how serious this is. And he continues to say it the other way around. If you do not forgive others, then your Father will not. Everybody say will not. Will not forgive your transgressions. In one version it says cannot because if you're not willing to forgive, if you're not willing to give something, then how can you be given that thing? If you're not willing to forgive, how could you be forgiven? And we're going to read a, a, a parable or, or a story about a young man, and you guys probably know that in just a minute. But I want to see if you can, if you can grasp this as truth. You can give forgiveness, or you can be forgiveness. Think about that for a moment. I can be forgiving or I am forgiving. See, I can see Jesus is not forgiveness. He is. He's not giving you forgiveness. He is forgiveness. And I've said this many times from, from the pulpit. Jesus is not giving you hope. He's not giving you joy. He's not giving you love. He is these things. You cannot have these things aside from Jesus. Because if you went to Jesus and he gave you hope, then you could take your hope and leave Jesus. But without Jesus, you have no hope. The same thing with forgiveness. You can receive Jesus' forgiveness and walk away from Jesus. But you can't do that. Without Jesus, you can't have his forgiveness. And without being forgiveness yourself, you can't extend it to the way that he's saying here. You can't just give it without being it. You have to walk in forgiveness every single day. How many of you know you forgive somebody for what they do and time goes by? And you feel like it's done, it's over with, and then you either see a picture of them or you smell something or hear a song that reminds you of that person. And all of a sudden, it's all there again. But I thought I forgave them. You did. Do it again. Because if you are forgiveness, then you continue in that path of forgiving that person every time that comes into your heart. Every time that they hurt you, every time. Now, listen, that person is gone. That person may have hurt you and left. They may still be in your life. But they may have left and did something. They're not over there thinking a year or two later going, I wonder if after I hurt her. They're not thinking like that. We're carrying that. And forgiving that person is to free you. It's not to free them. Sin makes us overdrawn debtors to God. 
Even if we're already Christians, as a result, our fellowship with God is broken through sin because we owe something, because we did something, and we need something to be given to us, which is forgiveness through our repentance. See, but debt can either be paid in full, which is what God did, or it can be done in payments, which is usually how we do it. Isn't that true? Then we pay off our debt. Sometimes, you know, we get a, something happens. It doesn't happen very often, but something happens, and you say, okay, let's get rid of everything, and we just pay it all off. And you do it in one fell swoop, boom, gone, right? But mostly we pay our debt, how? Little by little. Forgiveness is kind of like that, right? Because you're being forgiven. All I don't know about you, but if you're sitting here thinking, I haven't had to repent or be forgiven for at least a year. You're, well, you better repent from what you just said or thought because you just did it, right? The other one, and the other extreme of that is we sin every day. Now, I used to say that, and, you know, uh, uh, I got in trouble one time for saying that we're no longer sinners because it says we're sinners saved by grace, although we still sin. See, a sinner practices sin every day on purpose because they want to. It's who they are. It's what they do. But if you fall into sin or you do something that is a weakness in your life every once in a while, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that being a sinner. I guess I have time. I'm going to use the little story. If you go to Ikea and buy a chair, a wooden chair, right, and you take it out, you ever notice that the instructions on Ikea is a little fat guy? He's round. They're making fun of us Americans. You know that, right? Okay. So, because their instructions up in Sweden is a stick guy, but ours is a round circle. Anyway, yeah, it's terrible, these <laughs> Swedish people. But uh, I, I look at the instructions, I go, that's, that's me. I'm putting that chair together. So you take the wooden chair, you put it together, Right? You follow the instructions, and it works. You sit on it, and it works, and everything looks good, and it's made out of wood. Does that make you a carpenter? So you go every day at 8 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You go to your uh, garage, and you, you make chairs out of wood. You take the wood, and you, you put it through your lathe, and you, you cut it, and you, you scrape it, and you varnish it, and you do all that, and you make chairs all day long, and you sell them. Does that make you a carpenter? Yes. It's the same way with sin. Because I put a chair together every once in a while doesn't mean that I'm a sinner, right? Just because I mess up every once in a while doesn't mean that I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner if I practice it every single day without any even conviction. How many of you remember those days, right? I get saved and all of a sudden I can't do anything without crying or anything that's considered sin. So because you're in debt to God for your sin... God is expecting you to relieve anyone who's in debt to you or to forgive anyone who's in debt to you. We see this in the example that I just mentioned in the unforgiving servant. Um, I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the part that pertains to what we're teaching today. But it's Matthew 18, 32 through 35. It says, Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave. Now, this man had been forgiven. He went before the Lord, before the king of the time, and, and he owed him a lot of money. And he says, I'm going to incarcerate you, your children, your wife, and you're gonna, they're going to pay, you know, you're going to work for us and enslave you until you pay off your debt. And he pleaded and pleaded for mercy, and the king gave him mercy and released him without any debt. And then he went after a guy that only owed him a quarter, and he put him in jail for owing him a quarter. 
or, or just a small, small amount. So this is what the response was. This, then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you. Well, that doesn't sound very nice. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Such silence in the room. Do <laughs> you know who the torturer is when you don't forgive? You are. Your unforgiveness tortures you. In Mark 11, 23 and 20 through 26 in the New King James Version, it says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Wow, Pastor Rick, what does that have to do with what we're teaching today? He's talking about faith and confession and telling the mountain, right? Next week, we're going to start the blueprint of faith out of the book of James. We're going to learn a lot about what, what's going on right here. Because we want to read the faith scriptures, but we don't want to read them in context because then it requires something of us. 25. And whenever you stand praying... Well, wait a minute. Weren't we just talking about faith and moving mountains and, and speaking to these things? Because I have great faith because Jesus lives inside of me and I'm a Christian and I carry a big Bible and I wear a tie and, and I go to church every time the doors open and I'm, I pray every day and I pray in tongues and I pray in my own language and, and I'm just so spiritual that things have to happen when I speak to them because I have faith. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I call this disconnected prayer. Loss of signal. Dropped call. We believe and we want to confess and we want to use these scriptures. And we don't understand that faith worketh by love. And forgiveness is part of agape love. You have to be willing to forgive. You want your faith to work? Part of it is forgiveness. I took a, a, a semester on, on for, forgiveness. I couldn't believe the. I was like, a whole semester on this? And what is this? You know, how could they cover? I mean, a class or two? Okay, but a whole semester? And then I realized as we were going through it that <laughs> I had to forgive. So there's a, a, a quote by Dr. Catherine Dooley. She's a Christian theologian, and she covers what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. This is going to be very re revealing to you. 
Forgiveness is the only remedy. This is a quote by her. Forgiveness is the only remedy for the inexcusable hurt and pain that has been inflicted upon you. Some of you are thinking about stuff right now. If we could excuse what has been done to us, then forgiveness is not necessary. Forgiveness is unconditional. Repentance or remorse is not required. Payback may never come. The person who hurt you may continue in their path of destruction. You can only avoid that path through forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. For forgetting, you would not have to forgive. With forgiveness, we let go of the past in order to reclaim the present. But we do not forget the past. Remembering the hurt is part of forgiveness. For if you forget, forgiveness is no longer necessary. Forgiveness is not excusing a person's offensive behavior. If we are able to excuse the behavior, forgiveness is no longer necessary. Forgiveness is not reconciliation with the offender. How many of you thought that's what that was? Although this is our ultimate desire, and there are times when reconciliation becomes a product of forgiveness, but it is not guaranteed. Forgiveness only requires one person. Say, that's me. Forgiveness only requires one person to accomplish. Reconciliation requires both parties' cooperation. Forgiveness happens in your heart. Therefore, the person you are forgiving may never know that you actually did. People from your past that are no longer alive can also be forgiven. Forgiveness is not something you do one time. It requires you to walk it out. The initial decision to forgive is the hardest part. But then expect your forgiveness to be tested every time you see the person or they are even mentioned. The decision to forgive brings freedom from the hurt and pain immediately. But you must continue to take your dose of forgiveness, the remedy, until there is no sign of the virus that is unforgiveness that will kill you with bitterness. Man. See, unforgiveness is just the, the symptom. You ever have a symptom of something and you go to a doctor and they go, oh, I'll take this for the pain. I don't want to take that for the pain. I want to know what's causing the pain. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's like, oh, this hurts. Well, here, take this. This will help. You know, take some ibuprofen or Tylenol. No, 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 no. I'm having pain. That's, that's a sign that something is wrong. I don't need you to take care of the remedy. I want to take care of what's causing that. I don't, the, the symptom, I want to take care of the, the root of the problem. So if we walk around in unforgiveness, the root of that is bitterness. And that doesn't grow overnight. It grows from unforgiveness being in your life for a while. It roots itself into your heart. But forgiveness is the only remedy. It's the only pill If forgiveness came in a pill bottle, it would say this. You must take your daily dose and follow instructions carefully. It will take away your paranoia, your skepticism, 
and cause you to trust again. It will remove the hurt and resentfulness. Close up your wounds. Remove bitterness and it will heal your heart. The side effects. <laughs> I mean, you're already thinking. That's going to take 10 times as long to say. Right? The commercials are like 30 seconds long, and then they spend a minute and a half telling you what all the side effects are, ending with possible death. And we take it anyway. We do. I have this pain in my, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? I, I used to call it fishing elbow. They called it tennis elbow. But I used to fish so much, and I, I used bait casters. So you, you cast with this hand, you switch to this hand, and you, you, bait, you cast with this hand, right? And I had a little uh, 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 Shimano Calcutta that you, you had to keep your thumb on it, you know, so you don't get a bird's nest. How many of you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, you guys that lived in Alabama. But anyway, you, uh, right? That's bass fishing, right? Freshwater fishing. So you're sitting there, and you're, you're trying to, 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 to cast that out there and make it just right so you don't get it, get a, a bird's nest in there, and right? Huh? All tangled up. And you keep casting your forgiveness out there until one day you're going to get it right. But while you're doing that, there's a motion that causes a pain, and they call it tennis elbow. How many of you ever had tennis elbow? You have to wear that little thing here where it holds down the muscle. Mine even hurts a little bit, man. I might have to, right? And you wear that little thing here, and then, and then they give you a pill to help with the inflammation. This will help with your inflammation and reduce the pain and you know, cause the swelling to go down, put ice on it, this, that, and the other. And then your side effects are uh, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, headaches, um, you know, uh, possible fainting, and an occasional death. I think I'll stay with my tennis elbow. I think I'll just take some Advil for the pain. And uh, that one, I think I'm going to stay with the symptom. Because I don't want to get, I don't want to take, take something that's going to cause possible death. But we do it anyway. Here are the side effects of your pill, your remedy that is forgiveness. You will love, trust, laugh, and live again. You may experience fullness of joy, outburst of laughter. <laughs> oh, that's going to make me crazy. Peace, gratefulness with an occasional thank you, Lord. I'll take those side effects any day. <laughs> right? Instructions on taking your daily dose of forgiveness. And this process of walking it out is, is described in this scripture right here. You know, on the says it says take Two a day, every eight hours with food, four, and then it tells you what, right? We already know what the four is, and we already know what the side effects are. Now, how do we, how do we take this? How, what's the process of taking this? Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 28, New American Standard Version. But I say to you who hear. Anybody? Okay. You wouldn't be sitting here because if you couldn't hear, then you wouldn't be able to, to hear my, my awesome voice. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Woohoo! <laughs> that does not sound like fun to me. But that is the process. Love, sympathy, then compassion. How many of you know sometimes you just feel sorry for somebody, but you don't do anything because compassion is a verb. 
Sympathy is just a feeling in your heart. So you feel sympathy for somebody, but then compassion kicks in and you actually do something for them. Do good too, right? So love and do good to these people that have hurt you. Bless them. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to bless them through your teeth. Lord, I pray. We heard that, that my story of when I first uh, uh, read this scripture in a prayer service. How many of you remember that story? Raise your hand so I can say it again. Thank you. So I got two of you. When, as, I, as I say it, you're all going to say, I've heard it like 10 times. But somebody in here hasn't heard it, okay? So my wife's not here to say that, so she's heard it a thousand times. She was actually there. <laughs> she wasn't my wife at the time, though. She was there. We were at a senior's prayer service on Saturday morning. My wife used to go to play the guitar for them and sing a couple of songs before they got into prayer. And it was, it was a senior's, and, uh, and I knew that she did that for them on Saturday morning, so I decided to go to prayer. And because uh, I'm spiritual and I wanted to, you know, pray. And uh, <laughs> I was green too, man. I was a greenie at the time. So they, they, the 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 leader there, Fernando, I believe his name was, is an older gentleman. He reads this scripture and he says, "We're going to go around the room, and each one of you is going to pray for those who have hurt you, persecuted you." Those that you need to forgive, we're going to pray for them. And I was like, wow, we can do that? I said, yeah. And I said, that's awesome. So they went around the room and they got to me. I wasn't even listening to what other people were praying because I was getting ready. In my mind, I was preparing my, my prayer, man. I'm like, here it comes, right? Lord, you know this person who hurt me. And I pray that you strike them down from heaven, that your vengeance and your wrath would come upon them. And Fernando's like, so nice, the old man. No, 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 no. No. And it was, it was a Hispanic. Everything was in Spanish. No, no. That's not what it means. No, no. You know, you know, that's not, that's no. Eso no es así. I was like, well, what does it mean? You told me I could pray for my enemy. What am I? You're supposed to bless them. What? I'm going to bless them? And listen, there's a process here. And it says, you know, uh, love, do good, bless, and pray. When you get to this point of prayer and you're praying for the person who hurt you and you're asking God to bless them, you're, you're, you're pretty much free. It may still come up, and they may still come up. And be careful, because what you ask for, you may get. And it has happened to me. We had somebody that betrayed me really bad, someone who I trusted with all my heart, betray me. You know, betrayal is bigger for those who are closest to you, right? When somebody at work or some acquaintance betrays you, big deal. But someone you trusted, you put your heart in their hands, you, you shared, you, you, you know, you've been open with them, and then all of a sudden they just they betray you. And it took years. I know it doesn't sound very optimistic for you, but it took me years for this one particular person. And I began to pray that the Lord would bless them financially. That was one of my prayers. And the Lord did. And you know, my first reaction was, I want to call them and tell them that they have money because of me. <laughs> right? That's not what you're supposed to do, right? That's not forgiveness. But they were blessed. And at first, it was a little hard to accept. And then I was like, Lord, that's exactly what I prayed for. 
Thank you, Lord. And when I began to thank him for that person and began to thank him for the blessings in their life and began to thank them for, for the things that were happening in their life that were bountiful and, and all the stuff that I had prayed for was actually happening for them. Now, there's two parts to that. The part where I pray for them and get, I got free. I was freed from that unforgiveness because I was able to pray for that person. And then watching them get blessed, that was like, and then being happy for them, then I knew. Then I knew I was healed. Right? Then I knew I was healed. You know, hurt people hurt people. And when they have open wounds and, and you say something to them or, you know, my thing is I, I joke around a little bit too much and I've offended people. Okay, let me explain that amen before, don't laugh. He says that because he's just like me. That's why he said amen, because he's just like me. And I don't mean any, I really don't mean any harm, but I don't know the hurt that's in this person. It's not like an open scar where you look at it and you go, oh, let me put some salt on there on purpose, right? No, that's not what I'm doing at all. That's not in my heart. But I've learned not to be a blabber. The Bible talks, Gus, the Bible talks about being a blabber. Right? Just talking. And then some of those words may not land very well. And you may hurt somebody. And then you don't even know it. And that person is carrying that. One of the greatest examples of forgiveness is Genesis chapter 45, 4 through 7. It's all about Joseph. He was one of Jacob's 12 sons, his favorite. Now, if you, if you gathered your, your siblings, let me see, who's got the most? Over here. You guys have all girls, right? How many? Seven, 10, 15? Okay, five, five girls, right? If you stood them all up and said, oh, my daughters, I love you all. The bull, you guys are awesome. But you, I love the most. The other, what, you got five. The other four? Right? You're going to have to put them in a separate room and lock the door at night because when they go to sleep, right? We're going after the one they love the most. That ain't right. That ain't fair. That ain't just. So imagine Jacob gives his son Joseph the coat of many colors, his inheritance. And the other brothers are like 11. Brothers are like, let's get them. Well, I think at the time it wasn't 11 because I don't think Benjamin was born yet, right? So I, I think it was 10, right? So I don't think Benjamin was born yet because Benjamin was born after uh, Joseph uh, was taken into slavery. But they, they plotted against him, man. They threw him in a well, waited for him to die. Then they pulled him up. Then they sold him to slavery. And then all this stuff happens. To, to, they did all this horrible stuff to Joseph. Genesis 45, 4 through 7, New American Standard. Then Joseph said to his brothers... Now, years have passed. They show up. There's famine in the land. You know, Joseph, at this point, has become in charge of all the food and resources and everything of the kingdom. And now they're coming before him. They don't know it's him, right? Or they knew before he starts to tell them who he is. Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer and said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold 
into Egypt. Now, I added the emphasis there. He probably said, I'm your brother Joseph you sold into, into Egypt. Instead of, you sold me into Egypt, you bunch of... <laughs> right? But he didn't do that. Now, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Listen to the perspective that this man had. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you the one who sold me, who left me for dead, who, who did all these things to me, for you a remnant on the earth and keep you alive by a great deliverance. See, all the stuff I went through, all the things you did to me, all the hurt, the pain, everything that you caused in my life was to bring me to this moment that I could tell you, you're going to starve. That's not what he said. To bring you here today that I can look you in the face and say you will not eat until the day that you die of starvation. Because I have all, I'm in charge of all the food. He says, no, God delivered me here to preserve you. To help you and to give you what you need during this time of famine. If you read through there, he sends them back. says, is there another son by... Uh, Jacob says, yes, Benjamin, so you're right. He sends him back, and he, he, he goes and gets the, the son and brings him back. And there's a lot more that goes on there. They do a bunch of things in between there, and it, you know, it all works out for them because of forgiveness. Because if he didn't forgive them, he would not have preserved them. They would have died, and the generations would have died with them. I don't have that scripture here, but I think it's Genesis 50. Verse 20. This is a Bible. It's uh, made out of paper and has ink on it. A lot of us don't use these anymore. Oh, here it is. Uh, Genesis 50, verse 20. If you want to look it up, I'll give you a second. Genesis chapter, it's not going to be up there. Not, they don't have it. Genesis 50, verse 20. It's not in your notes either. But as for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is in this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know forgiveness has happened there. You cannot think that in his heart he's still, oh, or maybe he's plotting something. Maybe he's going to poison the food he gives them and kill them all. Read the story. Joseph goes through so much. He gets, he gets accused of, of messing around with Potiphar's wife and gets thrown in jail. And he never did anything wrong. And yet he stood there, come on, and said, don't worry. There's purpose for what you did to me. You ever think that maybe there's purpose for the pain and the suffering you go through? You don't think that way, do you? I know I don't at first. 
And then I learn, man, this is all part of the training. The more hurt and pain that I've been through in my life causes me to be more patient and loving towards you. And you're not easy to put up with. You're welcome. <laughs> Neither am I. Neither am I. It's only sandpaper that makes you smooth. <laughs> what perspective. Joseph was only able to see God's plan. We cannot see God's plan for our lives walking under the dark cloud of unforgiveness and trying to see through the eyes of bitterness. You're not going to see what God is doing. You're not going to notice what God is. You're going to miss the whole thing. And then you pray, and we stand in faith, and God doesn't care for me. And these things don't have, must not have any faith. This Bible is not really true because it doesn't work out the way that I ask God. Well, you got to forgive. you got to work through your, your, your moments of, of unforgiveness. You have to fix your heart because faith works through love. And love forgives. And you may be in the process of forgiving. Nobody's perfect. There's still moments and times where I hear a song, and it's a specific one, and it brings back somebody who hurt me in my childhood. Childhood. I'm 50. I'm going to be 55 this year. Yeah, yeah I'm going to move into one of those neighborhoods. <laughs> Actually, I could have moved in two years ago because my. No, I won't say that about my wife. But. I would have been the young stud of the whole place. No. <laughs> That's why my wife said, no, we're not moving over there. So we need an example. I want an example. And I always look to Jesus. Always. Because men will let you down. How many of you know that? Right? Never point people to other men or other women. Right? I try my best not to point people in my direction. Unless I got it just right. <laughs> and even then, you got to be careful. Jesus, undeserved punishment. Mocked for who he was rather than worshipped. 39 lashings, crown of thorns, spit on, beaten, beard pulled out, crucified with three nails, and stabbed. I was waiting to see if the bell was going to ring again. <laughs> Stabbed. Luke 23, 34, New American Standard Version. But Jesus was saying, as he hung on the cross, after all these things that were done to him, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And this is what they were doing. They cast lots, dividing up his garments amongst themselves. Here's God. They crucified him on the cross, hanging there, and he's saying, forgive them. Because if we don't forgive them, they're going to burn in hell for eternity. That's pretty important, right? But they were casting lots. They were gambling to see who was going to get his garments. He prayed to the Father to forgive them as they cast lots for his garments. Stephen is another example. They lied about his character. You ever been lied about? You ever been, somebody ever say some, something to somebody and they come to you and say, hey, you know, I heard it, that, that this is, I said, you know, I learned not to defend myself. Sometimes you incriminate yourself by trying to defend yourself. I found that out the hard way. But <laughs> do you believe that's who I am? 
Have you made up your mind that what you heard is truth? Yes. Then I got nothing else to say. What am I going to say? Even in defending myself, it might make me look like guilt, like I'm guilty of what you're thinking of. Your character, your integrity, your honesty will always keep these things from becoming truth. He prayed to the Father, forgive them. Stephen lied about his, they lied about his character. They set up false witnesses against him. I've experienced that too. Do you understand that standing up here puts a large target on my back? Yeah. Why would I do this then? Because I always say, yes, Lord. And because I love you. <laughs> I really do. His response, Acts 7, 59 and 60, New American Standard Version. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep or he died. Don't hold this against them. Don't, don't mark this sin against them. Don't let this keep them from becoming what you intended them to become because this is not who they're supposed to be. Dying in the streets, serving God. One time I went to my pastor and went to his office and I told him this is what's going on and this person is doing this to me and, and I was all upset, you know, and I sat down and, and you know, and he goes, I go, what, what, how do I handle this? T teach me how to handle this. And he goes, hand them the third nail. I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, you kind of have your feet nailed and this arm, but you keep this one out here because you want to go after these people. Let them put the third one in, and then you can't do anything. He goes, hand them the third nail to finish crucifying you. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to hear. Is there another pastor I can talk to? <laughs> Isn't that what we do that too? Come on. All right? We do that too. I've had people leave here and come back and say, the other pastor, so they go over there. <laughs> I'm just telling you what's here. I can't, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. You can go over there. Oh, man. <laughs> Luke 12, 48, last scripture. Then we're going to have communion. For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. How much have you been forgiven by God? I have another. I'm not going to teach it in this series. I have another teaching called 7 times 70, right? You ever heard that scripture? 490 times. Some people say it's in a day. Some people say it's in a lifetime. Same person. They have different, because you put a number on it. Some people say this seven is infinity, so it's infinity times infinity times ten. And, you know, they come up with all these different things. This is what I came up with. Seven times 70, 490, right? If you reach 491, then you never forgave them the 490 times before that. Think about that. If I got to let it go on you 490 times, I hope that by the 10th or 12th time, I'm, I'm done with you. Like, I'm, I've forgiven you. I've, I've let it go. 
I would hope that I wouldn't have to go 490 times to get to 491 so that I could finally put my hands around your neck. Think about it. You, you, didn't, you didn't really go, you're back at number one because you never really forgave. So all the other theological things, you can believe whatever you want. It all means the same thing. Forgive, 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 and forgive. It's for your own good. Amen. We have all these little sayings. Why would I let somebody live in my head without paying rent? Or, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I poisoned, what was it? There's one about poison, and then I drank it myself or something like that. And then my favorite one's the wall. We build a wall. Because we're hurt, we build a wall. We put bricks on top of bricks, and we keep getting hurt. And we're hoping that building this wall between us and these people that hurt us will keep us from being hurt again. We hold on to our heart. We have horrible relationships. You ever been divorced and hurt, and some guy or some girl just cheated on you or totally destroyed you emotionally, tore you down? you got to forgive them. Why? For them? No, for you. Because you'll never have a successful relationship hurt by a relationship. Because why? You're going to hold on to your heart. Relationship only works if you surrender all of you to them and they surrender all of them to you. That's how I've been married for 31 years. Because I gave it all up. I gave it all up. I gave my life to Jesus. If there was anything left, I gave it to my wife. And then we had kids and they cleaned me out. There was nothing of me left. Nothing of me left. I'm starting to collect some of it back so I can put it right back into my marriage. Right? Forgive, forgive, forgive. Can you dim the lights, please? Who do you have to forgive? Let's start with the most important person that you need to forgive is you. You have to forgive you because then you'll never learn how to forgive anybody else. And listen, you hold yourself up to higher standards than anybody else does. And you fail on yourself more often than anybody else does. You do. Forgive your... Listen, if God, creator of heaven and earth, holy forgave you and gave his son on a cross to shed his blood and die and resurrect three days later to forgive you and to redeem you of your debt. Because that's what it, it was, a debt that you owed, that sin. He forgave you and redeemed you and paid off that debt. And you're going to hold it against yourself? Who are you, God? You'd have to put yourself above God not to forgive yourself. Your family, those are the hard ones. They hurt you, and they betray you, and they do things to you. If you've ever dealt with someone in your family being an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know that they've hurt family members, and they've done things while under the influence. The deeper the trust, the deeper the wound. The the more need for the remedy, for the pill that is forgiveness. Your friends. See, your family you don't choose, but your friends you choose them. 
This one's hard because you choose a friend and you call him your BFF and everything's going great and woohoo and time goes by and you tell them all your secrets and then all of a sudden they betray you. They tell somebody else about something that nobody else knows or, or they, they, they hit on your boyfriend or whatever it is. They do something that a BFF would never do. And then what do you have to do? Not only do you have to forgive them, you have to forgive yourself for picking them as your BFF. At least your family, it's like it's your family. You were born into that family, it's, that's just the way it is. I have to forgive them because they're family. But your friends, that has a lot to do with your own decisions. How about entities, companies, corporations, governments? And I left the best for last church. I so dislike the phrase church hurt. Those two words don't go together. People hurt people. And you can't blame God for what people do. And that's what we do. We come to church, somebody mistreats them or says something, or I may say something from up here that may sit wrong with you, or you may think differently, or your doctrine's different, and you walk out of here and you never go to church again because your church hurt. Church didn't hurt you. I may have hurt you. Somebody in church may have hurt you, but the church, their church is here to help you. God didn't hurt you. Why would he hurt his own begotten son? Why would he hurt him to remove the hurt and the pain that belongs to you? Why would he do that and then turn around and hurt you? Why would he hang on the cross and say, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed, and then put sickness on you? It doesn't exist. It's a contradictory, and God is not like that. So if you want to say that God made me sick because of something that I did, you're wrong. I am sorry. It's not in here. Now, you're going to learn, I'm going to give you the <laughs> next week's sermon and you're not going to show up, but you're going to learn about trials and tribulations next week. It's part of your faith. Yeah. See, we teach faith in, from a place of victory and from a place of I'm going to believe for this and believe for that and God's going to do this and I'm more than a conqueror and we take these one little scriptures here and there and we live and we stand on those things and we take them out of context and we don't realize that maybe there's something required from me. Maybe God is expecting something of me. So blueprint of faith begins next week out of the book of James. And we're going to talk about trials and tribulations, but this is not what we're talking about. Today, it's all about somebody hurting you and, and forgiving and letting go. So we're going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity to be free. We're going to do that through the table of communion. So as, when I release you to come up, as you come up and, and take your, your bread or Today we're using those little wafers. You come up and get that in the juice the, that represents the body and the blood. You can't help but to remember. It says, do this in remembrance of me. You can't help but to remember how much you have been forgiven by God. And if you could remember how much you've been forgiven, it should move you to want to forgive others. And you may sit here and say, Pastor Rick, you don't understand what's been done to me. You're right, I don't. But God did. 
God did. Ever seen those guys at boxing? They put their cheek out there like they're, you know, I'm going to put my cheek out there, so don't hit me. <laughs> Jesus not only died for you to be able to forgive, he died for the one who hurt you. He died for the person who wronged you, who took advantage of you as a child. He died for the person who went into the deepest part of your heart and ripped it right out and may have even laughed in your face. Jesus died for them too. I know it's hard. But I've seen lives changed. I was reminded last week of a story, and then we'll go ahead and, and take communion. Those of you who've been in ministry or been a Christian, I mean, long enough, will know who Nikki Cruz was and David Wilkerson. And uh, I got saved at a retreat watching the movie uh, Across in a Switchblade. How many of you ever heard that? Or Seen that's an old, old movie, but uh, David Wilkerson was in New York. He brought the gangs together and anything. Anyway, it's kind of like a West Side story. <laughs> but um, Nikki Cruz uh, got saved through David Wilkerson. And you'll have to see the movie, but I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing how he, he gets saved. Well, Nikki Cruz's uncle uh, bought a, they have these in near 27th Avenue in Miami, they have these old big wooden houses. My grandmother used to live, my grandmother from my dad's side used to live in one of these big houses. And they're massive, I mean, they're off the ground, you walk and you can, you know, you hear everything and you hear people walking upstairs and, uh, you know, the clawfoot tubs and, and all that stuff in the, in the house. They're huge and they got a bunch of rooms and so he bought one of these to help in a bad neighborhood to help the drug addicts come off the streets and get cleaned and receive Jesus and all that. So he had rooms for, you know, and they had split them up and put two a room or whatever. And so this is Nicky Cruz's uncle. He's a, 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 I think he's Puerto Rican. And um, he was married and had two girls. We, we actually, I don't know if you went with me or not, but we've been to that house when, once or twice. He came to Alpha and Omega Church one time and shared. But he... Um, he had this house, and they lived in the, in the attic part. They had, they had remodeled upstairs. They put in their own little kitchen and bathrooms and all that. So they lived up there, and they would lock themselves up there at night, and they would, you know, because they had all these young men, drug addict men, and he had two daughters. So one of those, uh, the daughter went to the market or something, and it, it got dark, and on her way back, she was coming in the back. There was a, a staircase in the back of the, the house that went up to their little apartment upstairs. And one of the men that were staying, or young men that were staying, teenagers that were staying there, um, the kids have come back in, so I won't give you the details, but um, she's no longer with us. And uh, so they, they, they ended up having to call the police and all that, and they took the, the young man, and he ended up in jail. About six months later, Nicky, I can't remember his name, Nicky Cruz's uncle went to the jail and stood on the other side of that glass and told that young man that he forgave him. I don't know how you do that. I just know that this man did. 
And I think a sheet of glass wouldn't have been enough to hold me from going through there. And extracting a pound of flesh for a pound of flesh, right? That's what God wants from us. You know, people have hurt you, and you're God's precious son and daughter. And he forgave those who hurt you. He's God. It's the only remedy. It's the only way out. It's the only way you're going to be healed, the only way you're going to have successful relationships. It's the only way you're going to have a, a, a life full of faith and prosperity and a life full of hope and peace and love. It's through this forgiveness. This is the only way. The two most powerful things on earth is repentance and forgiveness. It changes everything. You know, an atomic bomb comes down, boom, and it, it destroys. Repentance and forgiveness changes everything. It's more powerful than that. It changes your whole life. It changes your perspective. It changes how you treat people. It changes your marriage. It changes your children. It creates a future where God can use you, where you can lay hands on the sick and they recover, where miracles happen because you believe. Why? Because you have forgiven and you've moved on. Some of us need to forgive our own parents for the way they treated us and the things they did. And that does not require you to go and make up with that person or go and tell that person, hey, I forgave you. All you're going to do is start the whole thing over again. Forgiveness is in your heart. It's in your heart. So today, as you make your way to the table to have the body and the blood of Jesus that he broke and shed for you, remember, you have been forgiven. So forgive others and forgive those who have hurt you. Lord, I pray right now that we leave here today not only forgiven, but having forgiven those who hurt me, who hurt us. Lord, I pray that there would be such freedom here today that we would never forget. We would never forget March 20th, 2022 as the day that we were freed, that bitterness was removed from my heart, that forgiveness came in and forgiveness went out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Remember, don't just do forgiveness. Be forgiveness. It's different. Amen? They're going to play a little something here and you're going to make your way up. You can have two tables here. Thank you, hospitality team.
Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.